What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS Podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Wednesday, July the 7th, the year 2021, recap game one of the 2021 NBA Finals here here in uh, this midweek program of the first full week of the month of July. Uh, gives you my two cents on the absolute disgrace that is Shikari Richardson not being allowed to participate in the Olympics. And uh, for Mike and the OC, this is for you. I will discuss uh, some. Sh- I will discuss Shohei Otani, uh, the uh, pitcher de- designated hitter phenom for your Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But if you're saying, well, John, you know, you said that you were going to talk about the Yankees and how bad the Yankees are and, you know, how their season's finished and Chapman blowing up, you know, isn't the lockdown close that he was for the first two months of the season. Well, I was going to do the Yankees today. You know, they lost they lost their weekend series at home against the Mets over the weekend, and they were, they were absolutely disgraceful against the Angels the series before that. But how can I talk about the Yankees? How can I say the Yankees are done? The Yankees are finished. I understand it's the Mariners who haven't made the postseason in 20 years, and and this year isn't going to be the year most likely. And I understand that the Mariners have a better uh, record uh, season wise right, as of right now than the Yankees do. But how can I kill the Yankees when you know back to back games they've beaten the Mariners? So I gotta hopefully. Uh, matter of fact, let me pull it up. See who the Yankees play this weekend, and root for the and root for that team to pick them off, so I can come out here come uh, this come Saturday's program and rip the Yankees to shreds. They play the Astros this weekend, so hopefully, uh, hopefully the Astros, uh, Altuve, uh, Guriel, or um, uh, Carlos Correa. And uh, Dusty Baker and company take care of business against the Yankees at Minute Maid this weekend. And uh, Chapman gives up another walk-off home run to Altuve. And Garrett Cole uh, Cole returns to his own old stomping grounds and can't pitch worth a damn. So I can come out here and uh, so I can come on here and preview game two for you all. Uh, or excuse me, recap game two for you all on Saturday and also uh, destroy the Yankees left and right, which I've been dying to do, but I've just been waiting for the right time to strike. Um, so it's just a three-topic program here on this uh, Wednesday program. Nice to have you all out there listening and with us. Where we begin is game one of the NBA Finals uh, that commenced on two, that commenced on Tuesday night in the Valley uh, with the uh, with the Phoenix Suns taking care of business and taking game one 118-105. The Bucks, of course, uh, ended up take ended up uh, taking the Eastern Conference Finals uh against uh, against Atlanta this past Saturday if there would have been a game if there would have been a game 7 and that games and game 7 of that series would have been on uh Monday you would have gotten the NBA finals preview out of me but because the last the last show that we had on Saturday game 6 was yet to be played so we had to preview game 6 
and you know, and you don't know, and you know, this is why sports are the greatest because you never know what's going to happen on a night in, night out basis. So you didn't get a game one preview, a series slash game one preview, but you're going to get a game one recap. Uh, with uh, with uh, with uh, what uh, two I think two days in between uh, get no one day in between is game two is on Thursday but the Phoenix they care business against Milwaukee one eighteen one oh five uh, the Phoenix Suns I mean what 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 else do you want me to say I mean they have they have been my favorite team to watch uh, so far in this postseason uh, for whatever the reason I wanted them to pick and when they end back in the, if you go way back to late May. Where which seems like it was seems like it was not so long ago, but in, but in the same time it feels like it was six months ago. Weird how that works, but anyway, going back to their opening round series against the Lakers in late May, for whatever the reason, I wanted Phoenix. I wanted Phoenix to knock off the Lakers. Just you know they just provide some parody and provide you know a little something different because in an NBA that's dominated by the super teams and dominated by LeBron by whatever team LeBron James is on and dominated uh and dominated um by the Golden State Warriors you know in the mid in the mid to late 2010s so you want a little something so you want a little bit something different at least I did that was my perspective on it and uh, so I've been pulling for Phoenix essentially all postseason long, and you know when healthy and the only and the only uh, rough little uh, patch that they've had so far this this uh, during the playoffs so far uh, over the last what two months or so is Chris Paul's bad shoulder, and once Chris Paul's bad shoulder was a thing of the pa- thing of the past. There is no stopping. Yeah, they had a couple of bad games against uh, against the Clippers, but for the most part in this postseason, there is there is no stopping, no stopping the Phoenix Suns, who have been absolutely on fire. Chris Paul, who had a lackluster first quarter, surely made up for it for his uh, for the rest of the, for the uh, th- three remaining quarters of the game last night. He was twelve of nineteen from the field, a uh, four of seven from three, scored thirty two points, four rebounds, nine assists, and a steal. Chris Paul in his first ever NBA, or excuse me, yeah, I had that read right. Their first ever, not read right, but I was saying I was in the right path of what I was going to say. Chris Paul in his first ever. NBA Finals game uh, drops 32 points in his NBA Finals debut. I mean, I understand he's been in the league 16 years. He's no rookie, but still much to be commended as far as Chris Paul is concerned, who has had himself an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal playoffs, especially especially um, from the Denver series in the second round onward. He has just been absolutely sensational on the offensive side of the basketball. And I've said it once, and I've said it, I, I'll say it again, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I'll say it a million times if I have to. Chris Paul is the Phoenix Suns' most important player. And when Chris Paul is clicking on all cylinders, his mid-range jump shot is falling. The three-point shots he does take, he makes he makes about uh, 60% of them. Gets to the free throw line, doesn't brick a ton of free throws. He he's not, Prior to last night, he has never played in an NBA Finals game before. The only player on that roster with NBA Finals experience is Jay Crowder, who was on last year's uh, Miami Heat team. That went to the finals down in the uh, Orlando bubble. But when Chris Paul is clicking and when Chris Paul is doing anything and everything on the offensive side of the basketball, there's no stopping Phoenix. 
Devin Booker's their best player, but Chris Paul is their most important player. If his jump shots are falling and things are breaking his way offensively, I don't care. I don't care if Giannis is on the court or not. I don't care what Chris Middleton's doing. I don't care about Holiday. I don't care about Brooke Lopez. I could give a damn if you if you brought back Kareem from the 1971 championship team. They're still stopping the Suns team. They have been absolutely off the freaking charts. Off the charts. And Chris Paul especially. He's got 73 points in his last two games. That is tied for his most, most, over a two-game span of his career, regular season or playoffs. He's just he's just been absolutely phenomenal. He is also the third player at age 36 or older to score 30-plus points in NBA Finals game. Kareem did it six times. Tim Duncan did it once. Chris Paul puts himself in good company. He's also the first player with a 30.8 30 assist uh, performance in their final debut since Michael Jordan in the 1991 finals going up against the Los Angeles Lakers. But going back to the Phoenix Suns, uh, going back to the Phoenix Suns together collectively as a team, I mean, th there's just no stopping them. And so far in the playoffs, well, not so far because this is the last round. Whether they lose, whether they lose or not, this is it. Um, they are four and zero, four and zero in game ones this postseason. They took game one against the Lakers. They took game one against Denver. They took game one against the Clippers, and they took game one last night against the Milwaukee Bucks. They're four and zero. A perfect. They went perfect. A perfect 4-0 in Game 1s in the playoffs. 11 of the previous 12 teams to accomplish that feat at being undefeated, making it to the finals and being undefeated uh, through Game 1s from the first round to the finals. 11 of the previous 12 teams have gone on to win the, to, gone on to win the whole thing. And also, the uh, teams to win Game 1 in NBA Finals history have a 72% chance of winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy, including the six, including six out of the last seven teams to take Game One, ended up winning the finals. The one outlier, of course, was the 2016 Golden State Warriors that blew the 3-1 lead to the Cavs uh, back. What? How many? What? How is five, five years ago? Five years ago, but what of an absolutely phenomenal job this Phoenix Suns team has done. I mean, and then and then you go ahead and you look at Devin Booker in his NBA Finals debut uh, when he when he was the best player and the only reason to watch what was a sorry franchise a shoe a sh a short few years ago. I mean, he did. I mean, he did shoot the ball phenomenally well. One of eight from three and eight of twenty one from the field. You know, it's. Ugh. But give him credit, he made up for it being 10 of 10 from the free throw line, had 27.6 assists, played excellent defense, he had three steals on the night. And then, of course, look at DeAndre Ayton playing his first ever NBA Finals game. He goes 8 of 10, 80% from the field, perfect at the free throw line, racks up 19 boards, gets one assist and 22 points. He he joins Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the only, excuse me, as the only players in NBA history in their NBA Finals debut to score 20 or more points, rack up 15 or more boards, and have a 70% field goal percentage or better. Kareem did it. Um, Kareem did it back with the Bucks 
31 points, 17 rebounds, and was 13 of 16 from the field back then. He was known as Luau Cinder. That's when Kareem did it. DeAndre Aiden puts himself in good company. Uh, and that was back in uh, and that was back in 1971 with Kareem. The uh, Wilt Chamberlain also did it in 72, and Bill Russell did it in 1970 in 1965. Now with Chamberlain and Russell, they they were not there. They, those performances were not in their NBA Finals debuts. Kareem, Kareem's, Kareem's and Aiton's were. But give DeAndre Aiton all the credit in the world. Not just Chris Paul. We're going to spread the love to everybody that was wearing a Phoenix Suns uniform on Tuesday night because he was absolutely phenomenal. 80% from the field, racking up 19 boards and 22 points. And 6 for 6, perfect from the free throw line. That is pretty damn good your first ever NBA Finals game, if I do say so myself. And this is also Aiton's fourth playoff game with where he has where he has scored 20 or more points and shot 80% or better from the field. That is the mo- that is the most in a single playoff in a single postseason in the shot clock era. DeAndre Ayton, who he he himself quietly has had a phenomenal postseason uh, a phenomenal postseason himself. Also, six career, fifteen rebound double double in the NBA playoffs. That was eight and on Tuesday night, tied fourth most by a player in in NBA, in, tied fourth most by a player in his first uh playoff appearance in NBA uh, history. The only the only ones, Wilt Chamberlain with nine, Bill Walton with nine, and Bill Russell with eight, have more than DeAndre. Aiton, who has again been absolutely phenomenal here in this postseason uh, for the Phoenix Suns, and then of course you have, and then of course, and then of course you have Devin Booker. You know, did not shoot the ball phenomenally. Well, grant you that, but but still, when he and Chris Paul combine for, let me see if I can pull it up here. When he and Chris Paul combine for fifty nine points. And the Suns turn over the basketball a, t- a whole total of nine times. And they shoot 96%, damn near perfect, from the free throw line as a team. Again, I don't care if you bring Kareem back from 1971 and Giannis is healthy. There ain't no stopping the, there ain't no stopping the Phoenix Suns. They are, they, are, they are a fluid basketball team. They are they they are they, I mean their, their ball movement is is the best that I've seen in the NBA this season. You know they 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 are they are a fast paced team offensively, but also but they're not sloppy. You know something you know the Wizards you know they and 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 especially with the part of Westbrook, they're fast paced to the point where they're where they can get sloppy, they can get messy, they turn over the basketball nine million times, and they end up wasting away valuable possessions. Not the Suns. They play fast and they play fluid, and they keep their opponents on their heels, and they're always go 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 go, zero to a hundred. You know, at, at the drop of a hat, but. They don't turn over the basketball a whole hell of a lot. Their ball movement is off the charts, and they get the ball into the into the hands of their guys that are going to make baskets. And the and and Milwaukee outshot them from three, 
Milwaukee outshot them from three. Milwaukee shot 44% from three. Uh, the Phoenix Suns shot 32% from three. But when the Phoenix Suns, and if you are and if you are a guy that goes back to 90s, 80s, 70s basketball, if you're old enough, you can appreciate this Phoenix Suns team because they're beat because they're beating their opponents the old-fashioned way. They'll make the threes when they have to. They'll make the threes when they have to and when they have a wide open th- wide open three on a silver platter. But they are not going to a la the Rockets, a la the Golden State Warriors of uh, of seasons past, take nine million threes and hope and pray that, you know, that fifty ish percent of them go in and try to beat you with the three ball. They play a a old school ish style of basketball as far as you know if the mid-range shot if the mid-range shot if you're going to give us the mid-range shot by any and by any means necessary we're going to make you pay for it and every single time that mid-range shot is there for the taking we are going to kill you and we are going to take advantage of it and execute that open shot opportunity every single time you give it to us and that's and that's what they've done all postseason long chris paul who is lethal Lethal with the mid-range jump shot. Devin Booker, why he's why he scored damn near thirty points, even though his uh, even though his uh, his three-point shooting was horrendous. Also because of the fact that he makes his free throws, but also takes what the defense gives him. Mid-range, easy mid-range jumper right there for the taking. Go ahead and take it. Aiton, phenomenal job. Aiton's a center. He ain't shooting threes. He didn't take a three all night long, but he went eight of ten from the field. And if you and if you take about and if you take ten or more shots in an NBA basketball game and walk and walk away from the game shooting seventy percent or better from the field, that's a pretty damn good night. And odds are, and odds are more times than not, your team is in a better possession to win to win games if you are if you are choosing the right and appropriate amount of shots. You don't be stupid. You don't sit here and try to do things that you shouldn't be doing because your role isn't to do that. Or you, or you just focus in and you just master what you're good at. And when you do that and you just do your job, as Bill Belichick likes to say, you're going to win games. You're going to win games. Aiton isn't taking, isn't you know taking you know four, five, six, seven. He's not Joel Embiid. Uh uh-uh. uh Bid range in the paint. He's going to kick your ass. That's why he had 22 points and 19 rebounds on the night. So, again, when Phoenix turns over the ball, totalize the team nine times, their free throw shooting percentage as a team is 96%. Devin Booker found, found ways to contribute positively in the points section of the box score. And Chris Ball's dropping 32 points in his first ever NBA playoff, NBA finals game. Ain't, ain't that much you can do if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. Middleton had 29 points. Shot 5 of 12 from 3, 12 of 26 from the field, uh, has 17 rebounds and forces. Give Giannis credit in the world. We didn't think that we wouldn't see Giannis for the rest of the playoffs if Milwaukee was going to make it into the finals. Give him credit. He did the best he could, 35 minutes, put up 20 points, 6 of 11 from the field, which wasn't terrible. 
Gotta work on his free throw shooting though. I mean, a he takes a he takes way 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 too long to shoot the ball when he's at the line. You don't need to keep on doing that stupid asinine imaginary you know practice free throw shtick that he does. Tell the referee to give me the damn basketball and just shoot the free throw and just don't even think about it. Just get to the free throw line, get basketball, shoot it, keep make it, keep it moving, let's go. It's when he sits up here and he takes his sweet-ass time, he huffs and puffs, gets his breath together, does the little imaginary practice shot. Meanwhile, you had the crowds, whether it be in Brooklyn, whether it be in Atlanta, and now Phoenix. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Shoot the damn basketball, Giannis. Jay Wiz. 7 of 12 from the free throw line which is which is an underrated reason why the why the why the Milwaukee Bucks lost this game. You know, Phoenix was damn near perfect and Milwaukee was barely over 50% from the free throw line. Brooke Lopez was 0 of 2, Giannis was 7 of was 7 of 12 and everybody else couldn't couldn't draw fouls to get to the free throw line. Which was part which was part of um, which was part of Milwaukee's uh troubles. On uh, on Tuesday night, but hey, it's gonna be one. It's gonna be one hell of a series. We'll see if Milwaukee can bounce back. See if Giannis, you know, if uh, if he can start get back into the flow and the groove of things. You know, playing on that on that was injured, hyper extended knee. See if he can get back into the ebb and flow of things. See if uh, Middleton. You know, I mean, offensively they weren't terrible. Outside of the fact that outside of the fact that they turned over the basketball thirteen times as a team and shot fifty six percent from the from the free throw line, they weren't terrible. But they got a little bit. But against this Phoenix Suns team, you got to be damn near perfect in order to beat them. Got to got to be perfect. Yeah, your free th- when the free throws are there and and, they, and they're literally giving you free points, you cannot under any circumstances an NBA Finals game end up shooting fifty six percent from the free throw line collectively as a team. That's unacceptable. And the Phoenix Suns who turn over the basketball uh, very few times as is, you can't help them out by by giving them giving them the basketball by the bushel. That can't happen either. And you also got to and you also got a game plan better defensively, and not essentially let uh, Chris Paul take you to the cleanest, killing you with his mid-range jump shot every single time the ball is in his hands. That's another thing you can't allow to have happen either. And and tell your big man to get big and not DeAndre Ayton take over the game and dominate offensively and defensively inside the paint, racking up every uh, racking up every rebound that comes in his path. But hopefully it's a long series, long series so I can be entertained and Bucks and Suns something different. You know I love LeBron James as much as the next guy, but it, it ain't too bad not having him in the playoffs. And thank the and thank the good Lord that the Brooklyn Nets are nowhere near, nowhere near this NBA Finals. You know I I love I love the big stars as much as anybody. But every, but every, but if when it happens year after year after year, and it's the super teams going up against the super teams, and, and especially in the big markets, the LA's and the New York cities of the world. Although granted, although granted, if you would have had the, if you would have had the Clippers and the, um, 
and the Knicks in the finals, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. The Knicks haven't been to the finals, I believe, since 99 and haven't won it in over 50 years. And the Clippers have never been to the finals in their franchise history. So although you although you'd have the big markets in L.A. and New York, and you'd have the big star and uh, and Kawhi Leonard if he was healthy, and uh, Paul George, but it you know that finals would that finals that finals would have given ESPN slash ABC what they wanted in the big markets, the L.A. and the New York market. Although the Clippers aren't a pimple on the L.A. sports. Uh, uh, atmosphere on the on the L.A. sports, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, atmosphere's ass. It's UCLA, it's UCLA basketball, USC football, Dodgers, Lakers, and uh, and maybe maybe the Rams, and that's about it. But you know that, so it would have the ESPN people would have been happy. They would have been satisfied. Uh, you know, you get the big markets, L.A. and New York City involved. But but if that would have been the finals, I wouldn't have complained either because it was like, well, everybody was expecting the Nets, the second team in New York, and the Lakers, the first team in L.A. to be in the finals. And then, lo and behold, you get the first team in New York, but that isn't the, that isn't the super team with all the superstars on it. And you get the second team in Los Angeles to be up in the finals. That would have been ironic and kind of funny, too. And it also, like I said, would have been the best of both worlds. You know, Steve, you know Stephen A. can... can can go back and forth between his hometown of New York City and 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 root like hell for his Knicks, and then, you know, and spend and spend time in his uh in his other favorite city in Los Angeles, and ESPN can go gaga over L.A. and and uh, L.A. and New York. Plus, the Knicks are a bit are a bigger deal in New York than the Nets are anyway. But you also would have had you know different teams that people haven't that haven't seen in the finals ever. Clippers have never been, and you gotta at least, at least be fifty. You gotta at least be. I wanna say at the minimum. Let me. I'll Google when the last time the Knicks won the NBA Finals. But you gotta at least be. My brain, just my brain, automatically is thinking fifty-five. Um, titles, titles, nineteen seventy three. So you gotta be born at, you gotta be born sixty six, five plus seventy one. So you gotta at least be fifty four, fifty five years of age to remember the New York Knicks winning an NBA championship, and you gotta at least be twenty, twenty six, twenty seven to remember them the last time they were in the NBA Finals. But I've never seen the Knicks in the Finals before, and nobody's seen the Clippers, uh, you know, because they've never been. How I got off an at tangent, I don't know, but it would been that was just the Finals that would have been interesting to see. And my uncle, who is, works for the production team of ESPN and ABC that's doing the NBA Finals, he came up, uh, he came up to Baltimore uh, for the Fourth of July holiday, first time I've seen him in two years, just or thereabouts, he told me that the his his bosses at ESPN and the big and the big boys at the Worldwide Leader of Sports were not pleased at the fact that they got a Milwaukee Bucks, Phoenix Suns NBA final. 
words from him and he and he would know said they said they they were not were not happy under any circumstances that they were getting Phoenix and Milwaukee in the finals not pleased i am and the and the I am, and I'm pleased, and the fan that's a fan of these two teams and the, and the basketball fans that are sick of the super teams and sick of LeBron's uh, being in it every single year, they're happy about it, but the higher-ups of ESPN are not. But ESPN's making, is going to make money, and, they're gonna, and they won't have you know 500,000 people watching the NBA Finals, so they'll live, they'll survive. You know, they'll have more people watching. They'll have more people watching this, I bet you, this finals than, than you had uh, Miami, the Heat, and the and the Lakers back in October going up against NFL football and the, uh, and the World Series. But ESPN ain't happy about it. Who cares? I am loving, loving this NBA finals. Wouldn't shock me, though, if, it, if it's a quick four or five games and that's it for Phoenix. Let's hope that's not the case. Just getting started, get to the Shikari Richardson debacle, which I'm not pleased about. This is the I'm Telling It Like a TIS podcast. Don't go anywhere. Just getting started. Back right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Telling to Tell You podcast. You know, life is funny. Um, during the 4th of July holiday weekend, and I hope you all had a safe and a, and a good one with uh, whomever you spent it with. Um, it's funny because, you know, I'm the only one that's in charge of this whole production. I'm the... I'm not only the on-air talent, the host of this show, I'm also the producer, the the editor, the social media, uh, the social media person. So everything that you see me do, it that that you see that has I'm, that has the I'm tell I can tell you it's podcast on it and with it, it's me, only me. It, it's 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 a one-man show here. And because it's funny because you know whenever I upload little rants, you know, f- a few minute rant clips onto the podcast's Instagram and Twitter page, you know, I'm the I'm the one that has to edit them, and I'm the one that has to find the best sound. Cause can't put the whole freaking uh, um segment up there but so I have to go back and essentially listen to the show and pick and choose what part of a rant would sound the best in a six minute five minute four minute three minute 
two and a half minute little audio clip that I can post up on the social media. And it was funny because the other day I was I put the reminders on my iPad, my my computer, my phone to to edit these and get these done and to get these uploaded for the twelfth of you all out there to enjoy it, for the twelfth people of you all out there to enjoy them. And it was just on my phone nonstop. I think I think it was I think it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. You know, you got you got to up upload because uh, last because on Saturday I did I did, said my piece about the Shikari Richardson uh, testing positive uh, thing that broke last week, and it kept on and it kept on um, and it kept on you know reminding me because I hadn't done it yet for whatever the reason for whatever reason I was just putting it off, putting it off, and putting it off. And it kept, and the reminder kept staring me in the face any single time I was on my iPad, on my phone. You gotta do this, you gotta, you gotta upload, you gotta... And then the news broke yesterday that Shikari Richardson was not on the Olympic roster released by the Team USA track and field team for the Olympics to participate in later this month. And you know, I said to myself, I ch- when I read that, I s- chuckled and I said to myself, "Huh, God works in mysterious ways," because I would have had to upload not one, but two rants on the same subject on the same topic. And if you think that I was pleased or Happy when I saw this, you gotta be out your freaking mind. What in the hell is the IOC and the all the team USA Olympic teams, what the hell are they on? And what 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 what, what what's the deal? See the ban from what I got was for a month which left open left open the opportunity for her to participate in the 4x100 relay team since the third day suspension would end before the start of the relays which would take place on August the 5th and yet the team was the the full roster was released yesterday and she wasn't on it i mean you have got to be freaking kidding me 30 day suspension for weed in 2021 her getting suspended for smoking weed to cope again to help her cope with her mother's death keeps her off of the Olympic track and field roster. You have got to be kidding me. I said it Saturday. 
And I will say it again. It is 2021. Not 1981. Okay? It is about damn time that every single collegiate slash amateur slash pro athletic organization whether it be the four major North American sports leagues, whether it be the NCAA, whether it be M- M- whether it be UFC, whomever, the PGA Tour, the L the LG the LGPGA, the the LPGA, excuse me, tour, whether it be them, whether it be the WTA, the AT, I think it's the ATP for men's tennis. Whatever it might be. Can we get our heads out of our asses, wake up, and smell the coffee? And can we please, please, for the love of God, stop criminalizing people, especially black people, black athletes for smoking weed when it's legal and damn near, if not it already has been, 50% of the United States of America. What are we doing? It is 2021. Why? Why are we in a in a some sort of sense, criminalizing people for smoking weed, and the thirty days suspect. And another thing, make up your mind. It was a thirty day suspension. So whoever is in charge of the U.S. of the USA track and field team is so dense, is so unsympathetic, is so clueless, is so. Tone deaf to the point where they can't say, hey, we can use her in the four by one hundreds at the beginning of the month of or at the beginning of the month of August. We can't throw her a bone and give her the benefit of the doubt so she can help us win Olympic gold at the summer Olympic Games in Japan. Where COVID is festering all over the place, but that's another subject for another day. We 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 can, we cannot throw her a bone and do her a favor. We can't we can't do that. We can't do that. It was a thirty day, not a thirty year, not a thirty month, thirty day suspension. And she, who's now I'm no expert by any means necessary, but what I've been told, she's a pretty damn good runner and is, I think, if I have this read properly, is the fastest woman on earth. And they and those gutless clowns left her off the team. Are you kidding me? All because. Her mother passed away and smoking weed was her own little unique way. 
of coping with that loss. So in essence, the IOC and the USA track and field team is essentially punishing her for her mother dying. And I've said it once, and I'll say it again, loudly. Weed is not a performance-enhancing drug, all right? If you're in the athletic field, it is going to do more harm to you as an athlete than it will to help you, because weed, a.k.a. marijuana, a.k.a. cannabis, a.k.a. Mary Jane, it is a depressant. It slows your heart rate down. It slows your heartbeat down. It slows your reaction time down. So if anything, it's hurting her if it's in her system while she's racing than it is helping her. This is not Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Rafael Palmero and Barry Bonds and A-Rod sticking steroid needles in their arms to hit to to hit 700 and 600 home runs and to break the all-time single-season home run record, to break Maris's record of 61 or 62, whatever it is. This is not that. This is not that. This is not Marion Jones. Black track and field athlete, they got busted for steroids 20-something years ago. This is not that. This is not the doping scandal with the Russians and all of them being juiced up with steroids prior to the Olympics. Cut her a break. And I don't want to hear, well, the rules are rule. Rules are rules. The rule is there. She shouldn't have broke the rule. To hell with the damn rules. To hell with them. People break rules every single day. To hell with them. To hell with them. And the same people saying the rules of rules break more, probably break more stupid, asinine rules than you, than you can freaking shake a stick at. To hell with the rules. The rules dumb, the rules asinine, and it needs to be changed and fully eradicated. Getting rid of. Thrown, in the, thrown into the incinerator. It's dumb. Why in 2021 are we still punishing athletes for smoking freaking weed? Why? You're punishing her for essentially grieving of her mother's passing. Who in the hell does that? Because that, that's essentially what you're doing. You're punishing her because her way of grieving, yes, it breaks a rule, but who gives a damn? The state that that race took in which she was tested at, weed's legal. Goes to LSU, state of Louisiana, weed is legal. What are we doing? What are we doing? Would my method, if God forbid my mother would have passed away unexpectedly, would my method be to go to to uh to roll up a couple of blunts and smoke them on my back patio? No. But I'm not gonna. But I'm not gonna uh, uh, disrespect her and 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 cast judgment 
upon her because that's her little individual way of dealing with pain and suffering and God knows and God knows mental probably her own little mental demons I'm not going to do that as I said it on Saturday everybody's way of grieving everybody handles grieving a, 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 a death of someone close to them differently Yeah, you might not roll up a couple of blunts and smoke them to get yourself high to get yourself high high as a freaking kite. But I bet your ass some of those people out there they are saying rules are rules. Let their best friend or their woman or their man or their father or their brother, their sister, their mother, their grandmother. Let somebody close to them drop dead today. And see her and see her and see if any Beer, liquor, or, or or whiskey bottles are left unturned, and and see and seals still closed. She ain't doing heroin. She ain't doing PCP. She isn't doing crack. It's freaking weed. Get over yourselves. Get rid of the stupid freaking rule. Oh, we can't sit up here and have an athlete participating uh, uh, high on stuff. Bullcrap. Again, Max McGee was wasted as hell and had a seven reception, 138 yard, and two touchdown performance in the goddamn Super Bowl. Dr. Ellis threw a no hair on LSD. Look it up. Pitched every game on methamphetamines. Was on a World Series team in 1971. Look it up. My God Almighty. Enough. Oh, we can't have athletes. Bullcrap. Lawrence Taylor did more lines of coke than you can freaking shake a stick at. And he won two Super Bowls. Arguably the greatest defensive player in the history of the National Football League. And LSD and crack, and, and crack is a hell of a lot more dangerous than smoking a couple of blunts. Get rid of the stupid rule. It's ridiculous. The damn team couldn't throw her a bone, give her the benefit of the doubt, and allow her to run the allow her to run the four by one hundred relay on in, in early August. She they couldn't do her a solid and throw her a bone and give her the benefit of the doubt. She took responsibility. She didn't cast blame on anybody else. She raised the right hand, got on national television, and took responsibility for it. She didn't blame anybody. She didn't say, oh, well, it was something that I ate or something that I drank. Oh, I didn't know and played dumb. She took, she was an adult about it and took responsibility for it. Her freaking mother passed away. Show some damn compassion. You couldn't give it the benefit of the doubt. I thought you're trying to win gold medals here, not be the damn morality police. Jeez. 
David Wells threw a perfect game hungover. They couldn't give her the benefit of the doubt and allow her to run? Are you kidding me? And the stupid hypocritical IOC banning her for 30 days? What are we doing? It's not 1981 and 71, guys. Stop incriminalizing and, and, and making people out to be bad guys for smoking some freaking weed. It's 2021. Get with the times and get over yourselves. It's a stupid, dopey, asinine, outdated rule, and it needs to be fixed and changed ASAP. Cut this garbage. Now you got essentially everyone... Every black influencer and, and, and people and people on black Twitter all up and up saying they're not even going to watch the freaking Olympics. Bad enough you're playing them in a location where they just released a state of emergency because COVID's festering all over that godforsaken country left and right. And you blew it off for an entire year. Now you're not going to have anybody watch the freaking Olympics. How do you think... I mean, come on! Change the rule. What are we doing? 2021 and we're still... Making people out, out to be out to be bad guys and bad girls for smoking some freaking weed. This is not 1981 with the 1981 the Reagan administration with the war on drugs. Wake the hell up, get over yourselves, and get with the times. State is legal and damn it, the entire all in the in the in United States of America. This is garbage. Absolutely pathetic. Pathetic. Take a break. I'm telling a TIS podcast. I'm tell, I can tell you this podcast. Switching gears now to some baseball uh, and talk about someone that I have not been given a lot of airtime to uh, over the last whatever it might be, and that is 
the uh, two-way phenom, the starting pitcher, and the uh, designated hitter for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and Shohei Otani, uh, and just to give you my two cents on uh, on Heat as we wrap up uh, this mid this uh, midweek program. Um, I would, let me start with this. Um, Shohei Otani is first of all he's top five, without it without question top five best players in all of baseball. Top top, no doubt top five best players in all of baseball. He right now, uh, and it just and uh, he right now, who is just absolutely just hitting the freaking cover off the ball. Uh, he as of right, he just broke Hideki Matsui's record for most home runs in a season by a Japanese-born player. This is before the All Star break. Um, and their game uh, earlier er, in this game is uh, going on against uh, against the Boston Red Sox. He's got thirty. He's got thirty-two home runs. On, he's got thirty-two home runs on the season. Make sure I have this red right because he's playing a game as I'm talking about him. So I want to make sure that I have uh, I have his stats read right. Um, thirty. He's got thirty-two. Well, now I gotta go back and see. Uh, Shoot. Now I gotta go back and see uh, the RBI total because prior because they have his stats on what I wrote down. He's got his stats on what it was prior to today's game. So I just look up and see uh, what RBI, how many RBIs that was for his home run. Uh, nobody. Else. Okay, so he's got 32 home runs, 69 RBIs on the season. Hitting, I would believe, with that home run would get him up into the 280 range for the season. He's got an OPS of over a thousand, on-base percentage of 363. Um, let's see here. He's got uh, 12 stolen. He's got 12 stolen bases uh, and has racked up 80 hits on the season. And he's doing. And he's also pitching. You know, which is something that has not been seen. A, a player to pitch and hit some of that has been seen since Babe Ruth, which all the people alive uh, for the most part never saw Babe Ruth play. Um, he's now four. He's four and one with he's four and one with a three point four nine ERA. Um, he's pitched 67, 67 innings, giving up forty six hits. He's struck in. He struck out uh, eighty seven batters. His opponent batting average is one ninety five. Um and Shohei and that's how Shohei is sitting in 2021. He will be in the home run derby in Denver next week, and he will also pitch and hit in the All Star game. He by far is the player and it's a superstar that Major League Baseball needs in a day where Rob Manfred is getting dragged through the mud every other day. Uh, you know, and dealing with the controversy with the sticky stuff and the Astros cheating from a few seasons ago and everything else, so they definitely need Shohei Otani uh, as a as a as another big name, big time star that they can market, um, that they can market and that they can advertise and get a lot of juice out of nationally on a national level to get the ESPNs and the and the FS1s and the Pat McAfee's of the world to talk about them. So that's the positive thing. The problem is, is that you know ba that the baseball media in particular uh, has, in my opinion, gone a little overboard with the uh, with the Otani love. Like I said, top five, 
top five best player in baseball. He's in that conversation, top five, top ten best player in the sport right now. Now, to be fair, I understand what he's doing is impressive as far as hitting and pitching, being a starting pitcher and being a hitter is. In, in this day and age, I understand it's hella hard. It's very taxing on your body and everything else. It's something that we have not seen in nearly 100 years. But he is a decent, decent starting pitcher at best. I understand that the feat itself is hard to do, pitch and hit on a 162-game season on a major league. I get that, but he is not yet, at least. He's not Babe Ruth, okay, on a couple of circumstances. For one, Otani does not pitch very often. The Angels, for better and for worse, they coddle him. He does not go out there and pitch more times than not every fifth day. He pitches every, He pitches at least once a week. And when he does pitch and when he has those long extra days off, he doesn't go very deep into games. He'll give you six innings, seven strikeouts, but that'll be it. He has yet to throw a complete game in his career. And I could go back and look. If I go back and look at his game log, uh, if I go back and look at his game logs, um, I know in this season he's yet to throw a complete game. But I guarantee you, if I were to, matter of fact, let's do it. In 2020, uh, 2020, I would guarantee you, uh, 2020 he only pitched three. Uh, 2020 he only pitched, uh, he only pitched three times. He only pitched three times in 2020. Um, and got knocked around by uh, by the Oakland A's July twenty July the twenty sixth, and got uh, beat up a little bit against Houston on August the second. And then you go back in two thousand, uh, and if you go to two thousand twenty one, you know he's been he's been all right, been all right, you know. But the wheels came off last week when he played the Yankees on June the thirtieth where he was absolutely disgraceful. He did not get out of the first inning, gave up gave up two hits, walked the ballpark, gave up four walks and seven runs uh and pitched two-thirds of the of the bottom of the first inning uh against the Yankees when the Angels were in the Bronx uh, last week. Now granted on the flip side, his first at bat in the Bronx, he went yard and in the game after that he hit two dingers in what in a game in which the angle in which the Angels got absolutely destroyed. So you give him the good with the bad, and he's a he's a nice hitter, nice hitter, but he's not Babe Ruth. Okay, you I mean he hit I mean two seventy eight to look in in my estimation two seventy eight a little low for me. You know, for me to go Gaga. You know, I understand that you know that he's that he drives and runs like crazy and. He hits the ball out of the ballpark and everything else, but 278 for a guy that, you know, that makes as good a contact as anybody else in the sport, as any left-handed hitter you can find me in the sport. 278, I would expect I would expect to see a little more than 278. And if you go ahead and you look at Ruth, you know, Ruth, if you look at his career, 
Ruth, his career, yes, he's he's the he's the best home run hitter in the history of the sport, but his career batting average is three forty two. And if you go and look in nineteen nineteen, the year that the year that Ruth pitched and hit, he hit three twenty two. Otani's hitting two seventy eight. So factor that in. Also, if you look at Ruth pitching in nineteen nineteen. He went nine and five. He went nine and five. Had an ERA of two point nine seven. And threw. And here's the part that you really need to look at. He threw over hundred and thirty three innings pitched. Shohei has only pitched in his career, and his career has only pitched hundred and twenty. Sixty seven so far this season. So. If he can get a couple of nice starts, he now and I'm not saying that he cannot surpass the aura of Ruth of being that two way player, but he's but for everyone that's going gaga and is going head over heels in love with Otani, calling him the next Babe Ruth and everything, let's slow down now. Is is he something that should be celebrated? Something that somebody should be recognized because it hasn't been done since Ruth. Yes, but to call him the next Babe Ruth is a little strong. He's got to hit. He's got to hit a little bit better average for me to say that. Two, with his pitching, he's a better hitter than he is a pitcher. That that's that's the first thing. He's got he's got to be a little bit better of a pitcher, and he can't you know and going and and, and going up against a Yankee team that was on the ropes heading into that series. You cannot under any circumstances fail to get out of the first inning and walk the ballpark. I understand it's your first start in the Bronx. No excuse. It, 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 you, it's your your first his first appearance in the Bronx didn't face him when he was at the plate. So I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to him throwing on the mound. If he was unfazed at the plate, he should be unfazed when he's on the mound. So you got to give me a little more than than than, than not than failing to get out of the first inning and you know giving up four walks and a little bit better than ERA. Error rate's got to be better than this going forward. And, and that's the most importantly, he's got... Now, I understand we don't live in a day and age where there more times than not the pitchers, they, you know, there were no bullpens. You know, where the pitchers by, come hook or by crook, hook or by crook, they finish the deal, they finish their job. I get that. But would it kill Otani? Would it kill him? Because he... I mean, if you go back and look, he's only made it to the seven. He's only pitched seven innings once, or, or I checked that twice. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did it today. What the hell am I talking about? Did it today. So he's done it twice. Against against Boston, seven innings pitched, five hits, two runs, four strikeouts. Not bad, but that's but prior to today. His most recent start of going seven innings or more was May the 11th. Going the four and two thirds and the five and six innings pitch, when you when you want to put yourself in the category of being up there with the Bambino, the goat of the sport, you got to give me more seven innings, seven and two thirds, eight innings, and throw in a couple of complete games a season to be considered 
along to, to be considered with the Bambino. He he is the goat of Babe Ruth is the goat of the sport. So his ear now his ERA is a little inflated because of how pathetic he was in the Bronx. And again, he's a little overrated. He's the fact that he's doing the fact that he's pitching and hitting is results in the fact that he's a tad bit overrated as a pitcher, a tad. But now, but you gotta look at it for what it is. He's he he's on. If all goes right for him and his career, if all goes right, he could end up becoming the next Babe Ruth. But to say he's there now is being very, 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 very premature. Premature. He has what it takes. He has the potential to become the next Babe Ruth as far as a two-way player is concerned. But to say that he's there, there and in the here and now, you're dumb. Okay? On a pitching standpoint, he's got to go deeper in the games. Got to go deeper in the games. And he's got to have more starts. He can't, you know, every, the, the, the once every six, seven, eight days, if you want to be put up there with Ruth, it's not going to be good enough. Every other pitcher pitches every fifth day. Why can't he? I understand the two-way player thing, but if he's so great, he should be able to, you know, he's a big boy, 27 years of age. He's played baseball for a good, for a good minute of his life. He should be able to handle it. So if, he, so if all the other pitchers around the sport are pitching every fifth day, I understand that they don't hit. But, you know, the national, you know, the national League pitchers, they, I mean, they aren't hitting every day like he is, but they hit as well. If they can do it, why can't Otani do it? And when he does pitch... He's got to go deeper in the games. The four, the little cute four and two-thirds, five innings pitch, six innings pitch. It's okay, but it but it's not up there. It's not GOAT status. It's not Ruth. It's not worthy enough to be compared to Ruth. A little cute little five innings pitch. And when it comes to being an immortal at doing at being a two-way player, that ain't going that ain't good enough. Gotta give me. Six and two thirds, six and a third, seven innings, seven and two thirds, eight innings pitch, throwing a cup, throwing two, three complete games a season. Get the ERA down, start hitting for average a little, a little more, and not always, and not being a feast or famine player of a, of the of the uh, of the home run of the strikeout. Then you'll be up there with Ruth. And another thing too that people aren't re- that people aren't realizing as well, you know, Ruth won championships, and it's the same argument and it's the same point that I bring up when everyone wants to wax poetic about Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout this and Mike Trout is that, but Mike Trout hasn't won a damn thing in his career, outside of individual awards. He hasn't won anything. You know, Babe Ruth was being a two-way player and. And 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 becoming the best pitcher and the best hitter in the sport, and his teams were winning, competing, competing in and winning World Series. I understand Otani's young, but to be quite candid and to be fair, he hasn't he hasn't won anything yet. Ruth won seven World Series championships. For Otani to be up on that level, not only does he have to 
have to uh, polish his hitting as far as doing better at hitting for average and not always being a feast or famine player, strikeout or home run type of guy. And with the pitching, go deeper in the games and not essentially, you know, pitch every every eighth and ninth day. But also, and it may not be fair to him, but you got to be honest, Shohei's got to win. Shohei's got to win. Ruth was doing this, and Ruth's teams were winning, playing, playing, playing in World Series, winning World Series. Angels are hovering around 500 and aren't going to make the playoffs. So, is he a is he a nice story? Yes. Is he a hell of a story that baseball needs in this day and age where baseball is in the news more times than not for all the wrong reasons and negative publicity? Yes. Is he top five, top ten best player in the sport? Yes. Is is, is he something that we haven't seen in uh, quite a few generations? Yes. Should he be celebrated? Yes. Overrated and overrated? No. I was going to say overhyped, but not overhyped. Overrated? No. He's not Ruth Bambino status yet. Has potential to become that and wouldn't shock me if he does. But to say that he has already eclipsed Ruth is being blasphemous, is not being fair, and is falling for what they call recency bias. Because Ruth, when he was pitching and hitting, he was doing it better than Otani was. Again, Ruth hit for average and power. Batting average, well, again, one more time, Ruth's average for his career, career, was 342. Otani's is... Two seventy-two has potential to surpass him, but to say he's there yet, mm -mm. get your facts straight, do a little research, do a little homework. He's not Ruth yet. Maybe the quote-unquote Ruth of his generation, but he's not there yet. He's not better than Ruth as a pitcher. And he's not better than Ruth yet as a hitter. And you got to keep that in mind when you're comparing Ruth and Otani. Has potential to become the next and to surpass him, but he's not there yet. And another thing that's go that's often overlooked in the Ruth and the Ruth Otani comparison: Ruth competed for and won championships. Otani, at some point in time in his career, has got to win. Period. You can pitch and hit to the cows come home. If you don't rack together a couple of championships, when it comes to legacy, Ruth will always reign supreme.
because he won. Because he won. Not there yet. Has potential to be. But to everyone else that's going crazy on the old tiny train, pump the brakes just a tad. He's he's great. One of the best players in the sport, no argument, no doubt. Phenomenal story, something that we have not seen in baseball in a long, long time. And a rarity that deserves to be celebrated and recognized. But as of right now, July the 7th, 2021, he's no Babe Ruth. And me saying he's no Babe Ruth does not, does not make me a hater and does not make me a clown and does not make me a, a necessarily a contrarian. It makes me a realist and it makes me someone who's who's uh, who's an objective baseball fan that's looking at it that's looking at it from both sides and making an educated and intelligent point and argument. You can get you can give Otani all the credit in the world without being and also properly and 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 rightfully so criticize some elements of his game without being a hater or a clown. Something I also wanted to get through get, uh, uh, the point. Another point I also wanted to get across too. Not there yet, but has the potential to be. And also, it's got to win. It's got to win. And that's your program. And another episode of the Amatella Cotillas podcast in the books. If you like what you heard and you are new to the program, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast. And the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it is. It is your boy Jai Shields. I will talk to you Saturday. Enjoy game two of the NBA Finals on Thursday night. And I will talk to you in a few days. See ya.